0: Blog Talk Radio. The following show is a proud member of the ShowDoc Network. Learn more about this show and other great shows by logging on to ShowDoc.com.
1: This week's episode of The Legal Docket is being sponsored by Blog Talk Radio, The Hyperbole Hour. And
0: by President Obama's second term.
1: Coming to you live from... What's on your docket? Welcome to the Legal Docket with Quaff and Jay. Tune in to hear their take on law and politics to find out if our government makes the grade. Presented by ShowDoc.com. Hello and welcome to the 18th episode of the Legal Docket here on Blog Talk Radio. This is our, again, our 18th episode and our first episode in 2013. Our last episode was back in November, so we're back on the air. Tonight we're coming to you live from Brooklyn, New York, and Staten Island, New York. Uh, Ethan Klaasman alongside Ilya Arbit for this January 8, 2013. Thanks for tuning in. We have a lot of topics to get to, and we hope to take your calls as well. The number to call us is 1-347-426-3903. If you're also on Jabber Chat, you can IM... Myself, Ethan Klossman at jabber. dot org. You can also I am Ilya Arvid. With any questions, at Ilya Arbut at jabber. dot org. any IM client that supports Jabber chat. That's J A B B E R. Thanks to the end. I'm Ethan Klossman. and joining me tonight is
0: Ilya Arvid. Good evening, Mr. Klossman. It's been a while. We uh, haven't been evening, on the air yet. for a few for a few weeks now, but it's great to be back. It's a new year, a new time for us here at Uh, ShowDoc. Also, just to remind you, you can listen to us at go.showdoc.com slash LD18. Again, that's at go.showdoc.com slash LD18, and that will take you directly to our page where you can uh, listen to us live and also have the phone number where you can call us.
1: Yeah, and also I want to mention that they can also chat with us over at the Blog Talk Radio chat room. I just opened it up, uh, so it's the, f- the flash chat on Blog Talk Radio It's on the show page, and you can chat with us there with either a Blog Talk Radio account or a guest account. So definitely chat with us over there as well. Uh, let's get right to it, Ilya. Um, it, I guess in about 12 days, uh, officially President Obama's second term is going to begin on January 20th, I imagine. And... Uh, since so, time, Ethan,
0: Ethan let, let's just out sort of curiosity. Do you think he will get uh, as big of a crowd, let's say, for this term as he did last term? What What, what are your thoughts on that?
1: That's a good, that's a good question. And, and it dates me back to President Bush's second term. And President Bush, I was watching the video, seemed to have a bigger crowd for his second term inauguration and his first term. So, uh, But I think for President Obama, he'll probably get a smaller crowd because uh, the first time he was elected was was a history maker. This time it's kind of the same old deal for him. So I I think he will get a smaller crowd, but nonetheless, I think it will still be a pretty large crowd in D.C. Right, right, and
0: especially because, uh, you know, it was a pretty contested election, I would say, uh, there were a lot of people who were uh, quite unhappy with his performance, but he still kept his base, and I think that uh, I think he should still get enough people to come to the inauguration. Anything, yeah, uh, he, you know. He, they're
1: he all to, fillers. Yeah, he still has the forty-seven percent that, that Mitt Romney was talking about. So
0: <laughs>
1: exactly. So uh, I, I think we I think we to get a pretty large crowd. Especially you get a lot of middle class people who are very happy with the fiscal cliff, and that leads into our first topic uh a lot of middle class Americans very happy with President Obama forcing Congress to come to a compromise on the fiscal cliff and to keep, to keep keep taxes low for middle class families and to raise taxes on the top two percent uh,
0: in order to bail
1: the country out mhm. And uh and and this is uh leading to our next story, which I and we'll touch more on the fiscal cliff later on in the show. And we definitely want to take your phone calls about the fiscal cliff debate and what and how you thought it went down. Number is one three four seven four two six thirty nine oh three. And again you can chat with us over in the chat room. We have people chatting over there um, at at Flow Talk Radio. Um my next story is about AIG, uh which is uh American international company uh that's is uh that that took a one hundred and eighty two dollar billion bailout only to turn around and hand out seven figure bonuses to the same guys who tanked their company. This is a story from Politico.com. dot com. Now, the insurance organization, they are an insurance organization, they might join a lawsuit? A lawsuit, right, a lawsuit. You got it. You got it, a lawsuit. Just helping you out there, is Zoli. What? Just helping you out there. Thank you, yeah. I lost my train of thought a little bit. Um, the, yeah, the, they might join a lawsuit against the U.S. government over the terms of the bailout saying the deal that saved the company cheated shareholders. And the, the current Treasury Secretary, Timothy Geithner, who faced calls for his fire over the AIG bailout, and Federal Reserve Chairman Ben Bernanke, we heard a lot about Ben Bernanke, are furious, according to one Democratic lawyer. Other officials inside the, the agency were angered by the news, too, sources in the, in, the, in the department told Politico, one uh, of President Barack Obama's top aides agreed, definition of chutzpah, AIG, saved by taxpayers, contemplating suit, David Axelrod, tweeted this on Twitter, and many Treasury and Fed Insiders have long believed the terms of the AIG bailout, which only wrapped in recent weeks, were far too generous and not too... Uh, as a lawsuit is expected to contend. This week, the, a- the AIG board will consider whether to join a, 20- a $25 billion lawsuit over whether the terms of the bailout were unfair to shareholders who claimed they were deprived of billions of dollars. um and uh, the Treasury and the Fed have, have, haven't released official response to news of the potential lawsuit, which was first reported, of course, by the New York Times.
0: Well, it's still too early to tell. I think it could be a lot of it could be a, a political motivation. It could be something that uh, you know as, as it, was just done to put pressure on the U.S. government to somehow respond. And a lot of times, none of these lawsuits ever come to petition. Uh, often they're either dismissed or they're voted down to the courts. And uh, usually beyond the first headlines, nothing really comes out of that. So uh, we have yet, yet to follow through this and see how exactly it plays out. But I think it's interesting to point out that, you know, this is just the beginning. That This was just first filing, so it's going to be a long drawn out process as with many things in politics and uh it's important to kind of keep with it and see where it goes
1: and and it's going to have uh comments from both sides of the aisle uh you you can imagine that both sides of the aisle are going to go to battle over this lawsuit uh well
0: that's that's to be expected i think uh over the past few years uh every everybody inside and outside of Washington is already used to gridlock, so battling over another lawsuit wouldn't be anything new to us.
1: Right. Well, we'll see what happens going forward. It should be interesting. Uh... Well, anyway, yeah.
0: Yeah, let's, uh, let's get into the other news that uh, we haven't covered yet. Uh, I know, Ethan, you mentioned earlier about the uh, the fiscal cliff. Let's talk a little bit about the fiscal cliff, which is kind of related to this. Uh maybe not so much, but I think it's important that we go ahead and talk about it. And uh the you know, really the talks that were coming down to pretty much the last minute. Uh we I think I believe they got a deal where did the deal start coming around late on the thirty first, right before New Year's is hmm. or New York City. So um you know what do you think on that? Should should it have taken that long?
1: Uh, I'm glad, I, I'm glad I got it over with because I was getting kind of nervous. <laughs> it was kind of nerve-wracking because, uh, it was getting t- towards the, towards the end point of 2012 and, uh, they still haven't reached a deal and the two parties were still kind of disagreeing over, uh, and, 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 and President Barack Obama kept, uh, compromising with the Republicans and the Senate and the House to, uh, uh to uh to lead to, deal. yeah lead to a deal but uh the they got it done i I was a little bit surprised uh that that they actually got it done because it seemed like it would them forever to try to get to the to the drawing board, but they got it done, and uh actually an, an interesting article today out of u s a today at the fiscal cliff to debate delays some 2012 tax refunds uh, saying that um, you, as middle-class Americans, might be getting your tax refund later than usual this year, and you can thank the Congress, and you can thank the congressional debate over the fiscal cliff for that. The IRS says that it will begin processing. Who doesn't love the IRS? The IRS says that it will begin processing individual tax returns, on January 30th this year, eight days later than usual, the reason the program and IRS computers and printing forms and instructions were delayed by congressional wrangling over the fiscal cliff, a combination of tax hikes and spending cuts that briefly became law on January 1st. About 120 million individual tax payers, that's a lot of money, will be able to file follow, follow January 30th, the IRS says, and most people will get their refunds on time. But according to IRS acting commissioner Stephen, D, Stephen T. Miller, the date, January 30th, ensures that the IRS has the time they need to update and date their processing systems.
0: Mr. Quasman, uh, I don't know about you, but I particularly like the IRS. Oh, you do? Indeed I do. Indeed I do. They're the ones who give my tax returns, and I would recommend that you like them too, if you would like yours on time. Yeah,
1: maybe. Maybe maybe I'll I'll come to start liking them. I don't know. You might want to consider that.
0: Yeah,
1: I mean... uh, I understand that they they do a lot of good. Uh, So, yeah, maybe I'll come to like them, but... Uh, but uh, I just have visions of them going to people's houses, knocking on doors. <laughs> but, well, of uh, course,
0: and like I said, you might wanna, you might wanna like them to prevent them from knocking on your door. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> you that's a safe
1: bet. Yeah, that's a safe bet.
0: In any case, uh, I do think that it's a good thing that it came to a fiscal cliff deal. I know that some people weren't exactly too happy with the terms of the deal. Uh, it did raise taxes on certain individuals, and uh, I, I know that um, you know neither neither side of the aisle was particularly happy with the way it turned out. Uh, did it get done? Of course it did, but at what cost? Uh, I know that some people aren't happy that they might have to pay more in their taxes, and uh, they actually. Uh, you know, this year might be the year that they don't get as big as a refund that they got last year and the years prior to that. Um, sure. Do you think? Do you think? Do you think that the American people might react differently once their tax returns come back? Do you think once everybody gets the full effect of it, they might see this as not such a great
1: deal as initially thought? So What do you think? I uh, think that's a great question. Um, I still think I have to wait until the tax returns come in until tax season to find out about that. Um, but I do think, uh, like, uh, in Forbes, Forbes wrote an article today, here comes the next fiscal cliff crisis. It's going to be worse, they said. Uh, this is referring to... Um, uh, This is from Forbes.com. This is referring to that that little could come out of the next round of budget deadlines that hit in February and March, and uh, that whether or not we're benefiting from the decision by Congress to make the most of the tax code permanent, excuse me, largely ending its recent practice and temporarily extending big chunks of of law a year or two at a time. And uh, many Democrats see the government collecting somewhere around 25% of GDP, of gross domestic product, in taxes. And interestingly, there is a uh, middle ground... um, in uh, uh, terms of the budget and for a long time budget wonks held out hope that process reform would force action but the cliff itself which, which was supposed to be the ultimate forcing mechanism instead became something of a legislative self parody according to this uh, Forbes article I'm reading and uh Again, President Obama doesn't want to cut spending, but well, let me let me get this straight. The Democrats are the ones that want to cut spending. No, no, the Republicans are the ones that want to cut spending. The Democrats are the ones that want to spend more, and that's where the 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 majority of, of the debate was with the fiscal cliff, right? And they seem to. Uh, they seem to cross ground on those issues. And I just have one sporting note. Uh, the, the Brooklyn Nets won tonight, so I'm very happy to hear about that. That's just... A little side please. note there? What? A little side note there? Yeah, a little side note, yeah, a little side note, just my Brooklyn fans out there. <laughs> Let's uh, let, let's do a little side
0: note as well. I just saw and uh, CBS News is reporting that 2012 was the warmest year
1: in the U.S. on record. Yeah, yeah, I saw that as well. That's very interesting. But it, but if you think about it, it is right because it barely snowed, and uh, and it was, it was a very hot summer. Very hot summer. Right.
0: Right, it was, it was very, very unique. We we actually had a lot of weird weather this year. Interestingly enough, I know this really has nothing to do with politics, but maybe it does. Uh, in particular, you know, the changing climate is is really important because you know, if we remember President Obama, one of the things he was talking about was the fact that you know, what can we do to help climate change? What can we do to kind of?
1: Um, yeah, and then you the "I told you so."
0: Yeah, yeah, you're gonna see probably Al Gore come back and uh, say, "See, guys, I told you that wasn't a lie. I told you my movie had some some basis to it." Um, but that's <laughs> that's, not, that's not that's not really the foreign news. Uh, I think what we are interested to talk about is some current events. Uh, president Obama, I believe, recently nominated John Kerry for the post of Secretary of State for the outgoing
1: yeah, the Hillary vice Clinton. President. Yeah, now right, maybe. and
0: and also a former presidential candidate
1: we all recall. Yeah, former presidential candidate John Kerry, yeah. Uh, Who was John John Kerry's running mate? Do you remember? I'm sorry? Do you happen to remember who John Kerry's running mate was? John Kerry's running mate?
0: Oh, boy. Uh, I actually do not recall at this moment. It was such a while know.
1: I know it wasn't Joseph Lieberman. He was in the 2000 election. Correct, sorry. I actually do not remember. I'm going to research it right now.
0: Right now. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I believe the nomination for CIA to replace General, uh, oh gosh, look at that. What a month he, right General Panetta?
1: Yeah, that's correct.
0: So, uh, oh, Mr. Crossman, I believe you're getting a call. Yes, I am. Hold
1: on a second.
0: Hello? In any case, as uh, Ethan takes hey, a business you? call, which I believe is unrelated to his uh, current stint on Block Talk Radio, let's get into a little bit of the, yeah. uh, of the news that we were going to cover today. Uh, we are also going to talk about the... Gun rights talk that's coming out right now, uh, while the discussion about the Newtown shooting, which happened right right before the New Year's, is still fresh in people's minds. Uh, some of the stuff that's going on around that was uh, there's a lot of talk about Gabby Giffords, who actually announced action against gun violence. The first time that Congress has actually pursued any kind of gun violence uh, effort after one of these events, and also a lot of uh, a lot of current. Uh, current events is being followed in terms of the Colorado shooting which happened earlier last year in uh, the Aurora Theater. Uh with all these uh serious mass shootings going on, uh that there are a lot of talk lately that something needs to be done against gun control and it is becoming a very major issue here in twenty thirteen. Uh we're also seeing Los Angeles Times report about Alex Jones, uh the famous right wing uh politician. he's going up against Pierce Morgan who replaced Larry King on CNN as we know and uh they've been uh debating that live on the air and uh it sounds like it's been quite an interesting debate going on there. So um, I'm back. sorry about so that. So yeah, we're going to talk about Yeah, Mr. Quasman you're just joining us right back again here as you took your business call. Uh, as you know Ethan Quasman is the CEO of ShowDoc, the uh network that legal docket operates under, so he frequently has to take some important phone calls uh,
1: in order to
0: (laughs) keep the the show running smoothly, and keep
1: We won't do that in the future. I also found out who uh, John Kerry's running mate was, how could we forget? It was uh, the uh, well-known John Edwards. John
0: Edwards, of course. Wow, Wow, you're right. How could we forget? I think uh, it's because John Edwards actually uh, overtook the headlines with some other issues, which kind of Trumped everything else that happened before that, so I think people remember him for far more of his, uh, extra-extramarital issues as opposed to his actual, uh, running yes, exactly. for, for vice presidency, which is right. ironic, because Al Gore seems to surround himself with people who have these sexual dalliances. Yeah, I don't know
1: why, I don't
0: know why that is. But, uh...
1: No, I thought
0: that was that interesting. And um Keith and I have actually been updating our listeners on uh, the next topic that we will be talking today as well. Uh we'll get into it uh, I guess we might as well get into it, which is the uh the gun debate that is currently going on. There's actually a lot of news that's going on right now about it. Uh I already mentioned, you know, this is all as a result of the Newtown shooting which happened right after uh right before the New Year, right after Christmas. And right. also uh, you know, how does Christmas. Was it? I don't remember when exactly. I, I remember it was a few days before New Year. That's all I remember. No,
1: no, that, that, no, no the, uh, the the Newtown shooting, I think, was uh, was um, before 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 Christmas.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: No, I, I, I
0: that whole week for me was a little bit fuzzy. So, um, yeah, but the big news of the day is that uh, Gabriel Giffords, who herself was a victim of gun crime. Have announced action against gun violence over in, in the uh, Congress, and I believe this was. Oh, the- it was on it was on
1: it was on Friday, December fourteenth. it was on a Friday morning. Oh, wow. Yeah, the the, yeah. The, the 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 Sandy Hook elementary school shooting was on Friday, December fourteenth, eleven days before Christmas. So yeah, two thousand twelve. Okay. Well, um,
0: if we. Talk about uh, you know Gabriel Giffords, who was a victim of gun violence not too long ago herself, so, has um, you know she she has launched uh, action against gun violence, and I believe this is the first time that a member of Congress actually acknowledges any kind of gun violence. So that is a very very interesting step in, in and the
1: she's a, she's direction. And she's also a Democrat, so
0: right, which is well, like I said, it's it's a new step, it's a new direction. Uh, that a congressman actually acknowledges uh, the, the gun control issue. And I think it's a step in the right direction for uh, both the United States as well as, you know, the victims of, of those uh, of those who are affected. So I think that this is a conversation that's going to define 2013 in a, in a major, major way. Um, the other news about it is it also happens to coincide with the trial of the Colorado gunman uh, yes, uh the uh the James Holmes, right? Of course. James Holmes. Uh he was the gunman in the Aurora, Colorado uh film shooting during the summer when the, the blog Batman film came out and uh the, the final installment and he entered the theater and he uh shot and killed uh I believe over twenty people at that at that event. And uh finally the last piece of news is the uh do you, do you happen to know who Alex
1: Jones is? Of course. Who? Alex Jones. Alex Jones. Yeah, he was on. Uh, he was on um, on Piers Morgan, right? Indeed. Yes, he is the guy who is a very let's call
0: him political activist. He is more commonly referred to as a conspiracy theorist, and uh, he's a heavy gun rights advocate. And he was there debating uh, on Pierce Morgan, and it sounds like it was a quite an interesting debate from what I heard, uh, there was a clip that was released um, where where uh, supposedly um, uh, uh, Alex Jones says, 1776 will commence again if you try to take our
1: firearms.
0: Quite a bold statement there, don't you think?
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: All right, so... Uh, I, like I said, it, was, it sounds like an interesting one. I can't wait till it airs. And uh, you know, with all these things going on around the same time, it seems like this will be one of those defining issues that's going to be heard throughout the year. Um, as to you know, what, what's the future for gun control? What what is, what is the legislation that we can take without you know taking away uh, what already exists in our constitution? So I think it's an important issue that definitely has to be explored a little bit further. Um, once the year gets on and uh, once Congress is back, uh, in particular, like I said, Gabriel Giffords being involved on this is very crucial. I definitely think that it's a, a a very it's something that the government needed to look at for a while and come to some kind of conclusion. They've kind of been avoiding the question, but I think now it's getting to the point where we, you know, nobody can take this anymore. Especially particularly after what happened in Newtown, uh, it's very devastating. It's very it's very close. It's something that's close to heart because of the kids that were involved, and uh, you know, there's just a lot of a lot of recent events that have been going on. I mean, I remember back when, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to remember a couple of years ago when uh, Virginia Tech happened, and that was actually right the year when I was actually heading into college myself, and I know, yeah, wow. there, there there was a lot of fear. Amongst my peers and even even among myself about whether we really are safe in our classrooms and uh, I particularly went to a college that was in a more urban environment and uh you know there was no metal detectors, people could just walk in off the street uh now, given that situation has been resolved lately uh, the the college has put in uh, entry gates and everybody needs to wear an i d card but back at that time, it was something to be rather of a concern and and I think but the fact that this issue is finally coming up in Washington is something very important. And I personally think that although no answer is the right answer, uh, I definitely think that some kind of answer, some kind of decision that makes you know at least some kind of compromise has to be done because this kind of these these kinds of events cannot continue to keep happening.
1: Yeah, I'm reading a story right now from the conservative juggernaut, uh, Fox News and they're talking about this very issue. The White House is going to meet with the NRA, with the National Rifle Association, to meet and amid push for new gun control laws. The White House and the nation's leading gun lobby are going to meet face-to-face on Thursday, so two days from now, and mid an intensifying effort in Washington to craft new gun control measures in what could be a very testy session the National Rifle Association confirmed to Fox News that the group has accepted an invitation to meet with the Vice President Biden led the tax force. Remember that President Barack Obama appointed Joe Biden to lead this tax force examining ways to curb gun violence. The tax force was, of course, formed in the wake of the Connecticut school Massacre, which uh, Ellie and I have been discussing. And is running up against an end of the month deadline to produce a set of proposals. The, the well, administration. Now, sorry, there, go ahead. Now that that President
0: Biden's on the case, it should be quite an explosive meeting.
1: Yes, yeah, definitely. You know the way Biden talks, <laughs> and, the, and Biden's law experience definitely uh, makes for it it's an explosive meeting. Biden will say, "This is a big freaking deal."
0: I would say that's the that exact same sentiment at this point.
1: Yeah, and um, Obama's administration says that mental health and the entertainment industry so violence in the entertainment industry is a big issue will likely be examined as part of the process. So they may regulate um entertainment. But much of the discussion and proposals from Democratic members of Congress continue to center around gun control. The NRA has been at the helm of fighting those proposals ever since the group broke its post Connecticut silence and called for a national school security plan to install armed officers at every school in the country. That sounds like a plan. The White, Ho- the White House, imagine uh, Ilya We. we, we, we we went to the same high school. Imagine armed officers at our high school. I'm
0: actually, I mean, that's a big concern. I mean, Ethan, I, you know, we went
1: to a particularly progressive high school,
0: and uh, we were not used to seeing any kind of security. It was a very freedom-based school. And uh, and to see armed police officers in a school like that, uh, I, I just can't. I can't imagine that. I, I can't. Honestly, you know, if you want my personal opinion, I'll give you my personal opinion on this, Um, in particular about education. Education is one of my favorite topics to talk about, but I don't believe that it's necessarily going to make the school safer. I believe it is a show of force meant to intimidate, but I don't think it will stop people from doing certain things. If anything, I think it might even cause more encouragement because it will give more anger, more of a rise to those Stressed individuals, more anger to do it. They will feel more threatened than they would in a stra- you know, s- typical school environment. And mind right. you, typically the, the mm. risks not come from within, mm. both in Virginia Tech and in this case, the, the school shootings, the, the actual threat came from outside the school. Right. So it's not as if the problem is within the school that you have to put police officers inside the schools to protect the schools. No, maybe you should put police officers outside of schools. Maybe we should make more strict guidelines on so who can enter our schools and at what times. I think that would definitely, you know, that would definitely be an idea. I think even more so. Why don't we spend more of that money that we would spend on police officers? We could spend on school psychologists so they can identify those problems and help those individuals in need before these kind of situations happen.
1: And more, and more, and um, more mental health care too for...
0: Uh... Oh, yeah, that comes along with it. I mean, first it's psychological, and then it's necessary. It would be psychiatric medical health, of course.
1: Yeah, you're right, you're right. Absolutely right. Yeah, Stephen, I mean, let me you know... backtrack.
0: Sorry about that. Let me backtrack here for just a moment. I'm just reading some uh, rather breaking news about an hour ago. Um A key Senate Republican, Senator Lindsey Graham of South-, South Carolina, I believe we've heard about him before, uh he has vowed to block the confirmation of John Brennan as a CIA director, until the Obama administration explains their statements, its accurate statements, on the U.S. Consulate in Benghazi on September 11th.
1: The U.S. Consulate of Benghazi on when? On September 11th. Do you remember the Libya? Libya, Benghazi, Libya? That was was on 9-11, right?
0: That was on 9-11 of this year, correct. That was when the U.S. Consulate was, was attacked, and when the Consul General of Libya
1: was assassinated, and, uh, and it was a big debate over whether or not that was a terrorist attack, right?
0: Indeed, indeed, and if I remember correctly, that was one of those things that uh, General Panetta was involved in right before his situation came into light, and uh, he was supposed to appear before Congress for, for for an explanation, but I believe
1: that really amounted to nothing.
0: Uh, so, so now, he's Senator. He's German- gonna-
1: is that a, a congressman doesn't want to uh, nominate? Or uh, the senator is blocking. Is, is going? Is, uh vowing to
0: block the confirmation of John Brennan until any answers are given.
1: Uh, that's an interesting story. And, and John Brennan uh, was nominated for, for for the CIA, correct? CIA, correct. Yeah, he was the counterterrorism advisor for the White House. And uh, so, is, is this Congress person, is this senator allowed to block the the nomination of uh, John Brennan?
0: Well, I believe they are. I, I believe they they do. I, I know that Congress has to confirm them before
1: they're officially. Oh, so, uh, yeah. I'm reading from the Hobbiton Post that uh, the Lindsey Graham, like you said, is calling for a delay in John Brennan's nomination over Benghazi. Right. I'm
0: reading Washington Times, it's essentially the same story.
1: Yeah, and President Barack Obama's choice of John Brennan to be the next director of the CIA hit a snag on Tuesday because of this um, of this Republican senator. He was he threatened to delay the um the nomination because until the Obama administration provides answers on the deadly assault in Libya that killed the U.S. U.S. ambassador and three other Americans, and Senator Lindsey Graham, whose opposition helps help scuttle U.N. Ambassador Susan Rice's hopes of becoming Secretary of State, so the Senate cannot confirm any Obama nominee for the nation's top spy spot until the administration elaborates on the attack on the diplomatic mission in Benghazi. And um, and the South Carolina Senator just says that he, he's doing this because he wants answers, but he says the administration is ignoring him wow this is this is pretty deep, this is pretty severe um, Which is essentially, what I'm
0: trying to say here is that you know this can actually blow up. Back, back again. I mean, we went through during the election season with uh, Mitt Romney constantly mentioning it, and now I think it's going to come back up and possibly be something that's going to be investigated some more
1: before uh, anything can be done going forward. Yeah, the Obama administration has been pretty weird about foreign policy. Um, they've been kind of strange about that, even with uh, um, their Secretary of State. Hillary, Hillary and Clinton going everywhere they've been pretty uh they've been pretty weird about their foreign policy uh and uh the Republicans criticized the administration for blaming this the uh the, the protests over an American-made anti-muslim video and they suggest the Republicans in the Senator in the House suggested that the Obama administration was trying to play down an act of terrorism leading up to the November election, even though Obama used that description in the days after the raid. And, and Senator uh, John McCain uh, from Arizona directed much of his of their ire at Rice, who said in a series of Sunday talks and interviews on September 16th that the attack may have been a protest They got out of hand So they refused to call it An al-Qaeda terrorist attack Which is what it really was And this is interesting That now Obama's The Obama administration is having this problem And um, um, uh, And Carney the, The speaker for Obama uh, Carney is the uh, press secretary. He pointed out that the, that Obama pressed for swift confirmation of his national security nominees when he announced that this election was Monday in the video on WhiteHouse.gov, and the administration hopes that there are no unnecessary delays. He noted that the FBI is continuing its investigation of the attack the Independent Review Board issued scathing report, and Obama wants to bring the perpetrators of the attack to justice. Mm -hmm. Um, Obama also selected somebody to run the Pentagon. He he selected Chuck Hagel. A handful uh, of Republicans have announced opposition to their former GOP colleague, and several skeptical Democrats reserve judgment uh, until Hagel explains his views on Israel and Iran. The concerns about Hagel complicated his path to Senate confirmation but are not unnecessary, necessarily calamitous as the White House pushes for the first Vietnam War veteran and enlisted army man to oversee a military emerging from two wars and staring at deep budget cuts. So I want to stop reading here. Let's discuss it a little bit. Uh, this is uh, very interesting that... Um, uh we have these locking of uh nominees presidential nominees the obama administration ilya did not expect to have these problems for the new term, but so many uh, we had the fiscal cliff and now we have a uh this this block uh of um of of, of administration nominees. So, a lot going on for the Obama administration now. There's a lot going on for them to consider. Uh, and,
0: uh... Well, Ethan, here's the idea. Um, mm-hmm. Congress ultimately signs off on this. We know that a large portion of Congress is Republican uh, right. ever since the midterm election. And this kind of fight is part of the same good luck, which we talked about earlier. Uh, We talked about the same thing during the AIG deal. This is something that we're going to keep seeing over and over and over again, Um, uh, either until the next midterm elections or even all the way through to the end of President Obama's term. Uh, It's something that we will have to kind of learn to deal with, that these processes, which used to be much quicker, are now going to be a lot, longer, they will take a lot of more time, they will take a lot more discussions, and, uh, you know, eventually people are just going to kind of ignore them. They're going to get used to this whole new process, new way of doing things, and uh, let's hope that Washington is able to correct itself before any of these spikes get out of hand too far. Um, I want to shift our conversation a little bit to a different direction. Uh, also, recently, I know we've covered this on our previous shows, but I kind of want to come back to it.
1: Uh Chris, okay, Yeah, Chris Christie, go ahead, yeah.
0: Chris Christie, Governor Chris Christie, uh, he gave a speech, actually, today.
1: He likes uh, to eat Twinkies, you know that. What's that? I said that he likes to eat Twinkies. Well, yes, of course he does. But uh,
0: he actually gave the annual State of the State address today, and uh, obviously a major part of his address was uh, Hurricane Sandy and the response to that. Here's a real question, though. Uh, we see how Chris Christie is doing. He is obviously coming up towards an election where he might get reelected to be governor. But more importantly than that, Chris Christie is being seen as a possible candidate for 2016 for, for the Republican nomination. And it sounds like he actually might not be against it. Uh, we know he was against it during the current uh, election cycle. But what do you think? We, we talked about this briefly before, but now that some time has passed. What do you think of a Chris Christie
1: run for president in 2016? I think that is a great idea. Uh, I, I, I'm still uh, a Demo- I still lean Democrat, but I think that would be interesting to have Chris Christie, who's done a great job, a, a fantastic job. Whether you're Republican or Democrat or or Independent, you have to give him a lot of credit for what he's done with New Jersey. He's done a tremendous job. Uh, Hurricane Sandy being one of the major things that he did for, for the state of New Jersey, and how he how he got everybody to safety, and how he warned the state of the of the of the of the, uh, of the enorm- enorm- enormous enormous um, part of the storm, and how he uh, how he uh, saved. How he helped save uh, n- n- New Jersey lives. How he how he worked with the governor of New York and other governors uh, in the area of the storm. And well, what uh, particularly?
0: Sorry, sorry, Ethan. Uh, more particularly was his uh, ability days before the election to be able to, I guess, uh, bypass party lines and be friendly with President Obama, who was visiting and who was uh, touring the areas at the time. I think that that was just such a crucial moment and that picture kind of stayed in people's minds that, hey, Chris Christie can cross the aisle. Chris Christie can work with other members of, uh, of our government. And I think that that was a very crucial turning point and major, major point for him, uh, not only as an, as an individual, but as a governor as well. I know he has gained, uh, a lot of the minorities and a lot of the women the polls actually prior to Hurricane Sandy were showing him lagging in those two categories. But right after that, the polls just went up and Chris Christie's popularity is beyond anything he has seen any time previously during his administration.
1: Yeah. President, presidential run, uh, 2016, I think, uh, and he and he told the Huffington Post yeah you're damn right I'll be I'd be more ready and Chris Christie's not ruling it out according to gather.com and uh, yeah I think it's definitely uh he definitely has the, the ability to make a run for it In less than two weeks, Barack Obama will be sworn in for his second term as President of the United States, that already a number of would-be hopefuls, Republicans, Democrats or alike, are sitting on the sidelines trying to, to strategically position themselves to run in 2016. Make no mistake, Chris Christie, the mouthed, hot-headed governor of New Jersey, is one of those jockeying for a front spot on the presidential field. And... uh he has a 73% approval rating, which is pretty high. He looks well-positioned to clinch the governorship for a second time in November. Rumors are, are, are around that not even Cory Booker, Newark Mayor, and Shining Star in the Democratic Party wants to contend with him in 2013. This is pretty significant, given that almost 60% of New Jersey voters tested their ticket for Obama in the recent election. In Christie's eyes, if he can trounce a Democratic candidate, in one of the bluest states in the union, he has a, a decent shot at running the presidency in 2016. So, um, New Jersey is one of the biggest Democratic states in the union, and Christie is, of course, Republican who has the uh, has has won it big time. And, and if he can do it in New Jersey, he can do it anywhere.
0: He might have an advantage, though, coming from a heavily Democratic state over to a national stage. Uh, yeah. And- and you know, he's gonna carry New Jersey if he goes in the general election. He can almost be sure of that. Um,
1: and he's not afraid to blast he's not afraid to uh, blast uh uh people of the same party as him. Oh,
0: he's not afraid at all. And same thing that he did with that recent situation where uh he pretty much attacked members of his own party for blocking Stormade. Uh, that really? was very that was very interesting. Yeah, the, 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 even even the Democratic uh, state Senate leader uh, he had nothing to say. He said, "I have to agree with Christie on that." Um, Mr. Klausman let's switch the topic in the last few minutes uh, over to yeah. something else. Mentioned you did mention the foreign policy that the U.S. is taking, and we did talk briefly about Libya and uh, a couple of those questions. Um, here's an interesting question. Here's what we had uh missed actually during this whole show uh President Hugo Chavez of Venezuela he is a big i would say opponent to u s foreign policy he He's been getting friendly with a lot of uh American enemies, so to say, including ahmadinejad uh as well as many others um recently, there's been talk that he was he was very ill. And uh that he will not be present during the swearing in over the election that he just won. Um this do you think this is an opportunity for the US to uh to seize onto Venezuela to, to see if they can uh overthrow that kind of dictatorial regime? Do you think this is something that uh, President Obama and his administration will consider?
1: It means you mean you mean it'll be kinda of like something that happened uh in the Arab Spring? That's kind of what I
0: had in mind. Yeah, the,
1: the kind of a uh, Latin spring of sorts, a Latin spring. Uh, yeah, I don't see why not. With all the dramatic changes in the region, I, I see this as an opportunity for there to be. And it, is he considered a dictator?
0: Well, I, I mean, I, I don't. I'm not particularly sure what kind of government they have, but I certainly know it is not a democratic government. It, it, their elections are certainly not done the same way that they're done in this country. And uh, he's been ruling the country for many years now. And of course, he's been on friendly terms with a lot of other dictators, such as, as I mentioned earlier, Ahmadinejad, but also with uh, the Cuban leader, Fidel Castro, who actually himself has not been heard about for a while. So. As a matter of fact, very few people know if he's even alive, and uh, a lot of people are wondering if the same thing will happen to Chavez, that he will simply just disappear in a way while still
1: attempting to hold power. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, what's his name again, this leader? Uh, uh, Hugo Chavez
0: of Venezuela. He's the president of Venezuela. Hugo Chavez, yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, they they recently they recently had elections and he was reelected for I believe fourth or fifth time and uh, it was it was something quite interesting but like I said now well, he's a very I
1: mean, Ill. You to me, the Los Angeles Times right now in Venezuela President Hugo Chavez's absence raises a lot of questions. Um, a group of law professors say the president's absence from his upcoming inauguration without a formal request for delay makes his mandate unconstitutional in Venezuela. And a group of a group of uh, constitutional law professors on Tuesday said President Hugo Chavez's absence from an oath-taking ceremony Thursday without a formal request for postponement for health reasons will make an extension of his mandate unconstitutional and a usurpation of authority. They also said that makes a case on the same day that Vice President Nicolas Maduro confirmed widespread expectation that Chavez will not attend the inauguration because he is still recovering from December eleventh cancer surgery in Havana. The medical team working to reestablish Chavez's health agrees that the post operative recovery period should extend past january tenth and so he will not be able to appear before the National Assembly on that date. Madero said in a statement on the Tuesday from the legislative body. National Assembly subsequently approved a limited absence. Madero, the vice president, also said Chavez will be sworn in. I don't, I don't understand how you, you can be a president and also a dictator. It doesn't make any sense. But again, in in Nazi Germany, the, the, mm-hmm. it was also a democracy, and, mm-hmm. and, and and Hitler was a dictator. So I guess it could happen anywhere in Venezuela for sure.
0: I think um, I can uh, I can fill in the blanks. Uh, I, I used to be a political science uh, student at some point. Uh, it actually can exist. It can exist because democracy does not mean that dictatorial power does not exist, meaning they can have elections, but the power yeah. that the president has is far more superior than what our president has, meaning... Yeah. Uh, you know, our president will still have to, for example, if our president appoints uh, his, you know, director for the CIA, he still has to go through Congress. In, right. say, a country like Venezuela, once the president is elected, whatever decision he makes is ultimate. And nobody right. can question that. So that's where the dictatorial power comes in. So yes, you can essentially have a pseudo democracy, let's call it, where <laughs> you get to elect the person, but then going forward it's it's much more complicated to to uh say overthrow that power once that power has already exists. Right. It's uh it, you know, I'll I'll speak of something else about that I have from experience. It's actually kind of a similar situation in Russia right now where the president often appoints members of the cabinet and as well as members of uh, of of Parliament and he even actually appointed the uh the premier who happens to be the former president, uh, Dmitry Medvedev. And um, it, in that situation, it's very similar in that way, where the president has a, a lot more power than what we are used to seeing the president have. So those types of governments do exist. They, they're they based on the on the concepts of democracy, but they're not a full-on democracy in a similar way that we are. Even even yeah. in the United States, it's not really a true democracy because the president gets elected through the Electoral College and not through a well, popular yes, vote. So that yeah. would also be a, a type of democracy. We're not a true democracy
1: mm-hmm. because don't... Mm-hmm. Well, we're basically a, a, a democratic republic.
0: Right, right. We're a democratic republic, so we're still based off of uh, what a republic is. But like I said, we're not a true democracy by definition because most of the decisions aren't decided by a popular vote. But the question remains, is that necessarily a good thing? Or is that necessarily a bad thing, that we not, not everybody gets a popular vote? Because if everything in our country was decided by a popular vote, can you imagine some of the people out there, some of those same crazies voting on topics they know absolutely nothing about? That that would be quite a scary world to
1: live in itself. Yeah, definitely. And uh, there was another poll from USA Today just which you back to one of our earlier topics that John Boehner was rated poorly um, uh, by the way he handled the fiscal cliff. So that's the beauty of the United States where we can rate how our politicians do their jobs. And in Venezuela, they can't really do that. Uh, they got to go with what they got.
0: Well, their economy is far more shaky than the economy of the United States, so uh, yeah. you, can't, you can't really compare it to. It. It's, 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 the population is far more or less, and also the job opportunities are far fewer than what we have, as well as the educational opportunities. I don't believe they have as superior options for education as we do here in the United States.
1: Yeah, and you want to call them with any, with any comments uh, to any of the things that – Ilya and I mentioned any of the topics we discussed. We discussed about five or six different topics tonight. You can call in at one 426 3903 You can also listen to our last two three minutes of the show over at uh, go.showdoc.com slash LD18, or you can chat with us over in the Blog Talk Radio chat room, or you can chat with us on Jabber at Ilya Arvid at jabber.org or Klasman at jabber.org from an IM client. So uh, just to wrap up, I guess we've touched a lot of topics tonight. Um, next week we should probably know more about the whole John Brennan situation. It should get interesting to see whether or not uh, this, that the Congress is going to agree to his nomination, uh, and hopefully they will because the last thing Washington needs is more gridlock. Um, and uh, and hopefully they come to a, a good decision on that. Well,
0: that's a good point. I think we should definitely reconvene next week. See where things take us. See what news stories are out there. Uh, discuss those things the there. Tonight. And uh, I, I think we'll uh, we'll definitely be uh, right right there. Right right in the middle of things it's particularly with the thing you mentioned with the uh the, the gun lobby, uh, getting together with some of the lawmakers, I think that's gonna get some uh, interesting responses over there, meeting with Joe Biden and all. So, um I'll we'll see how the news turns out in, in further down of the week. Definitely. Well I think with that being said, I think we only have a few minutes left on the show. Uh just wanna thank our listeners who've been with us, uh for a while, You've been listening to us. Thank you very much for your support. Uh, this was again Legal Doc, episode eighteen, part of the Show Doc Network. And, Our first show
1: uh, November, so
0: hope you enjoyed it. And, indeed, uh, and 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 we hope that the upcoming shows in twenty thirteen, what we have planned, is going to be a lot of fun for you guys. So stick around. Thank you for listening and for your support. Um, and we'll be back next week.
1: Great. Thank you. See you next week. Adios.